Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Hello, America. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Glad to have you with me. Phone lines are open, 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on the program, uh, really delighted to have you. Um, I know some of you are going to have on the background the U.S. versus Iran World Cup match. Um, I don't even know when that match starts. U.S. versus Iran time. It happens. Oh, it's apparently going on right now. (laughs) And sorry, bosses. There goes the ratings. No, no. You can leave me on because all you're going to be doing is just staring at the screen. Uh, We got to win this in order to move forward. Um, And obviously, there is a lot of contention. It's the first time in 24 years we will have encountered Iran on the World Cup uh, stadium floor. So now, uh, MSNBC, you should know, is running a uh, headline. Oh, it's Joy Reid. No! Hang on, we got to read this. Well, we, we may all become more stupid because of this. I'm sorry, uh, the headline is, um, it's not a battle of good versus evil. The Iranian regime's brutal crackdown on protesters who've grown angry with its repressive theological governance has ignited calls for international pushback. So with the U.S. men's soccer team facing off against Iran the World Cup, it's unsurprising to see many Americans go full-on jingoistic. That word right there, jingoistic, tells you there is some sort of progressive narrative, anti-American narrative going on. Uh, the people are invoking a good versus evil framing. The U.S. Soccer Federation even got some jabs in, going as far as temporarily altering the Iranian flag on its social media accounts as a show of support for Iranian protesters. But as a country, we need to be careful not to let our love for international sports and our desire to be seen as liberators lead us to unearned arrogance. Even as we stand against Iran's repressive regime, it's worth noting the United States is facing a crisis of conservative religious fundamentalism as well. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Um, just, just, (laughs) oh my gosh, of course, told you guys, the nutters are, well, they're, 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 oh my goodness gracious, um, MSNBC is so predictable, literally, this is what they write, even as we stand against Iran's repressive regime, It's worth noting the United States is facing a crisis of conservative religious fundamentalism as well. Yep, such crisis in this country. You got all these conservative evangelicals wishing moms and dads would stay married and get married before having kids in Iran. They wish the women would cover themselves up or get hanged. So similar there. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, boy. Now we got this. Um, At a third game, Iranian players sung their national anthem, and at the end, they all bowed down their head. Uh, Their families were threatened by retaliation by Iran's government if they wouldn't sing. 
That is uh, Tenkriti Palmieri of CNN. The Iranian players knelt and refused to sing their national anthem. And it there were rumors that Iran threatened to murder their families if they did not sing it in, with the United States on the field. And so they have sung it. And there we go. Sad. And then you've got this sort of thing from MSNBC. Really, really puts in perspective the mental derangement at people at MSNBC. Speaking of mental derangement, let's talk about the climate change people. The Dutch government plans to buy and close down up to 3,000 farms near environmentally sensitive areas to comply with the European Union's nature preservation rules. The Netherlands is attempting to cut down its nitrogen pollution and will push ahead with compulsory purchases if not enough farms take up the offer voluntarily. Farmers will be offered a deal well over the worth of their farm according to the government plan that is targeting the closure of 2,000 to 3,000 farms or other major polluting businesses. Earlier leaked versions of the plan put the figure at 120% of the farm's value, but the figure has not been confirmed. The Netherlands needs to reduce its emissions to comply with EU conservation rules, and agriculture is responsible for half the nitrogen emitted in this farming nation. The Dutch Environmental Agency has warned that native species are disappearing faster in the Netherlands than the rest of Europe and biodiversity is under threat, but the new plan looks set to reignite tensions with farmers over nitrogen production. They essentially wish to shut down dairy, pig, and poultry farms in the Netherlands. Farmers have protested for a while. The Dutch government is storming ahead with the idea. Let's talk again about the rail strike in this country. Congress appears prepared to intervene to stop a rail strike in this country. And one of the reasons Congress wants to stop a rail strike in this country is because um, 96% or so of our ag exports flow down the Mississippi River and through the um, – and, and now, don't hold me that – I've been told that now, and I, I just read it a little while ago because I thought I had misread it, but I may still be misreading it. But from 96% of our ag exports flow uh, through the rivers of America, particularly the uh, Mississippi River, uh, some through the intercoastal waterways out of the Mississippi to other ports where they are spread out. Uh, the barges on the Mississippi River can hold more – uh, dry goods and more liquid goods than a train car or a tractor trailer. For dry goods in particular, the barges on the Mississippi River can offset 70 trucks and something like 25 to 30 train cars. But the river is low because of a drought, and so the barges cannot float down the Mississippi River. So more train cars and trucks are needed. And if the railroad companies go on strike, we're going to have some serious economic calamity here. 
we're trying to get our agriculture exports out. Meanwhile, in the Netherlands, they're trying to become more reliant on imports of dairy, beef, pork, poultry, because they're worried about climate change. This is like Germany all over again, except this is with food. With Germany, it was with energy. Uh, Angela Merkel, who one day I think history will write about how Angela Merkel really helped rise up the second coming of Vladimir Putin's Russia and undermined the economic and national security stability of Europe by essentially shutting down power production in Germany, relying on Russian natural gas instead. She funded and built up Vladimir Putin's regime in order to supposedly save the planet. It was terrible economic and national security policies for this, this thing about global warming. I don't really care what you think about global warming. I've got to tell you, it's absurd to shut down your food production or your energy production to save the planet. And there will be some alarmists out there who say, well, if we don't, we're all going to die. Well, here's the thing. No one else is going to do it. And all you're going to do is become more dependent on them. And you, as a sovereign nation, cannot make other nations curtail what they are doing, particularly if they're big nations like China. But this is what the left has come up with. And the problem for them, as I have mentioned more than once on this program, is the ultimate eschatology of these people. Eschatology is the study of the end times. Uh, Christian eschatology, uh, if I get right with God, you may go to hell, but I'm going to heaven. I have eternal life with God. You have eternal life in hell. The environmentalist eschatology is I can give up all things to save Mother Earth, but as long as the mouth breather next door keeps driving his SUV and having kids, I'm still going to burn along with him. It's not a pleasant eschatology. It's one that obviously over time leads to violence. It's why there's actually a history in this country of environmentalists engaging in eco-terrorism. We're going to see this around the world. We, we've got these idiots in Europe already super gluing themselves and throwing things at famous paintings to try to get attention. But we're also going to see governments that have bought into the climate hysteria take actions and make decisions that end up hurting everyone everywhere. As the Netherlands is less able to produce its own dairy, beef, pork, and poultry, it will have to rely on others to either supplement or increase their own production. And if they increase their own production, they're going to get branded by the climate alarmist as destruction, as destroyers of the planet, and people will take action against them. All of these people are essentially Malthusians. They believe that the planet can only support so many people. There, It's not a coincidence we saw all these massive headlines about 8 billion people on planet Earth now. Never mind that population is actually slowing down. But we've got 8 billion people. I think we got to 6 and 7 billion people during my lifetime. And now it's slowing down again. We have a group of people who believe the world is too populated and that's bad. Actually, the world needs more people and you and I need to know more people. We need to get out of our houses and be relational with people. To the Malthusians of the world is a bad thing. We've got limited supplies. And what is their solution? It's to further artificially limit supplies of food and energy in order to save a planet that does not need saving. 
When you and I are long dead, this planet will still be here. And these people have internalized the idea that we've got less than 10 years to save the planet. And I'm sure in about five years, they're going to be talking about 10 years again. It's always 10 years to save the planet. 30 years ago, they had 10 years to save the planet and the planet's still here. We're still here too. And in 30, 40, 50 years, we're still going to be here as well. But the climate alarmists are convinced you must give up your Western way of life. You must degrade your lifestyle. You must live in cities where you can be controlled and your commute can be guided by public transportation. You must give up your cars. You must give up your beef. You must eat plant-based synthetic foods. You must do all of these things to save a planet that does not actually need saving. As opposed to being an adaptable species who can adapt. I'm not going to eat synthetic food nor will I eat the bugs the media tells me I need to eat. But the Dutch may have to because the Dutch government has so bought in, bought into, along with the whole European Union, climate change hysteria, they literally are shutting farms down because they say the farms pollute by raising animals. And so they're going to have to import more food or grow more crickets. The holidays are the most exciting time of the year, and if you want to enjoy them to the fullest, you need to get the best night's sleep ever, which is why you should be sleeping under Bull and Branch sheets. They're made of the finest 100% organic cotton threads on earth, and I got to tell you, I was on my front porch the other night. I'm just going to go off the script they gave me and tell you, I convinced a friend of mine through this ad you're hearing right now to buy them. And he said he and his wife got him, and she couldn't believe he paid for Bowl and Branch sheets. They're not that expensive. He took advantage of the deal, but she's like, oh, sheets like this, they must be super expensive. They're not. And then she was like, really? That was after the first wash. Now they've had them for two years, and he says they are the softest sheets ever. Every wash, they get softer and softer. I'm telling you, he's a believer. And now his wife's like, can't we buy Bowling Branch for every bed in the house? And he's like, we can. And they're going to because they're the best sheets. So here now with Christmas, it's time to take advantage of this incredible deal. 25% off site-wide plus free shipping when you use the promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at BolandBranch.com. That's BolandBranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, Branch.com. Promo code ERIC, offer ends December 4th. Like my friend, who's a preacher, yes, they get softer every wash. They're the best sheets you will own. BolandBranch.com, promo code ERIC, offer ends December 4th. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Should you wish to be on this here program? Oh my goodness. Hang on a second. Um, uh, gosh. (laughs) Now copying Charlie. Sorry, I just replied to an email and said, here, I'm, I'm copying my producer, director of programming for the syndication show, and sent the email and actually forgot to copy Charlie on it. So, Charlie, I just sent you a very important email you have to respond to. <laughs> okay, the phone number, 877-973-7425. Um, I want to talk to Paul. Welcome to the show, Paul. Hey, how are you, sir? Good, how are you? Good. I, I was listening to your conversation a moment ago about what they're doing in the Netherlands. 
Mm-hmm. And I totally, totally agree. Uh, the climate alarm thing is a religion. But I have a unique perspective that uh, my daughter is finishing up a uh, graduate program at a well-known university in the United States. And her field of study is uh, nitrogen getting into the soil and washing into uh, uh, lakes and rivers and streams and even the Chesapeake Bay, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she just went back, uh, got back from a national, international symposium that uh, she actually got to present what she was doing. They're building underground uh, filters, if you want to call it that, to capture the nitrogen before it gets into the waterways. And if, if you go to New York State, you'll, you'll find those. If you haven't been there, there's, there's the Finger Lakes, which are a beautiful series of lakes, crystal clear. But recently, um, the commercial farming has introduced so much fertilizer uh, with nitrogen that it's washing into the the lakes and the lakes are no right. longer crystal clear they're they're algae ridden now so uh my only point oh, by the way she got uh, uh fussed at by the international community when she was making her presentation of what she's doing here because she was way too upbeat <laughs> of course you know, the, of the, course you can't yeah, be upbeat the, anymore no 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 you have to be doom and gloom and she she, she said every speaker there was well the world is dying we've got to do something anyway so uh, yeah. I, I just wanted to give you that. that yeah, you know, that, it, that you I, know, this this actually is Paul. I'm glad you brought this up because people do need to know that that uh, nitrogen causes not just algae bloom. There's, if you've ever heard the stories about the the dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, where the Mississippi River pours out into the Gulf of Mexico, there's a, there's a big spot where nothing grows, nothing lives. Uh, there's not a lot of oxygen in the water there, and it has to do with excess nitrogen. That is a concern. There are ways for farms to mitigate it. Um, the, the Netherlands has a twofold concern. One is the animal waste spilling over into waterways because the Netherlands is below sea level. There are lots of canals and stuff, and they're concerned about that. Very legitimate concern, ways to do it. But they're also deeply concerned with the nitrogen and methane production that comes from cow farts and just the, um, the, the, uh, collapse deterioration. What am I, what am I looking for? Um, the, the, um, effects over time on animal waste, deterioration over time. And it's causing them to shut down farms, two to 3,000 farms. It's not a smart idea, I would argue, for them to be shutting down farms. Meanwhile, in this country, you know what the big thing is? This is kind of absurd. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention has announced it's going to change the name of monkeypox to mpox. Will be referred to as mpox to reduce the stigma on people who get monkeypox by attending gay orgies. This has been one of the most asinine, absurd things I have dealt with in the news in a long time. Uh, the people who are getting monkeypox around the world have been participating overwhelmingly in gay orgies and random sexual encounters in the gay community. Overwhelmingly, that's how monkeypox has been spread. Not the only way, but the prevalent way in the West. And uh, while they were locking us all down and telling us we couldn't see our grandparents because of COVID, they were at pains to say... You can still go to your orgies and have your random anonymous sex. Just be careful and wash up afterwards. 
And, and now they're changing the name of monkeypox to mpox to avoid further stigmatization. Maybe if you applied a little more stigma and shame, we wouldn't have been dealing with this problem in the first place, people. I mean, my goodness, when you can't tell people to curb their lifestyle behaviors to stop the spread of a uh, very bad disease that could morph over time, but you're trying to tell us to lock up and never see our grandparents again because of COVID, uh, something is out of whack in our public health community. Americans for Prosperity plays to win. That matters a lot to me. I know a lot of D.C.-based organizations that just want to pass paper around to other Beltway insiders or claim they speak for everyday Americans without ever having to leave Washington, D.C. Americans for Prosperity is different. They're not a think tank. They're grassroots do-tank. Americans for Prosperity is a one-of-a-kind, freedom-oriented, limited government advocacy and accountability organization that actually takes action to expand opportunity for all Americans and defend your freedom of speech. They're doing great work at all levels of government. What's their secret? Well, they don't really rely on Washington. They built a network of concerned citizens who are stepping up for freedom in communities all around the country. If you want to learn more, if you want to find out how to get involved with Americans for Prosperity with a chapter near you, and I assure you, they have a chapter near you, check them out at americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. That's americansforprosperity.org slash E-R-I-C-K. Hi there. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number is 877-973-7425. If you want to be on the program, I need to bring you up to speed on a development that is a good development, led, of course, by my friend Chip Roy. If you don't know who Chip Roy is, you need to learn who he is. He is a member of Congress. He's in the Freedom Caucus. He represents part of Texas. Uh, he is a dear friend. He and his wife both, and he's one of the smartest members of Congress. Now, I'm biased, but he actually is one of the smartest members of Congress. He worked for Rick Perry. He was the uh, assistant um, attorney general of Texas. He became the chief of staff for Ted Cruz. He worked at the Texas Public Policy Foundation, probably the best state-level think tank in the country, and is now in Congress. He is wicked smart and deeply conservative. Uh, he is a convictions-based politician who gets along with everybody in large part because they know where he stands on the issues. Um, he's they, You know exactly what you're getting with Chip. He's not one of those politicians who capitulates and compromises to save his own skin. He is one of those politicians perfectly willing to lose to do the right thing. And it's one of the reasons I love the guy. In a letter sent to the chairman and ranking members of the House and Senate Armed Services Committee on Tuesday, Congressman Chip Roy and other conservative Republicans said negotiations on the National Defense Authorization Act uh, must include key reforms on abortion policy, the selective service, COVID-19 vaccine mandates, and President Biden's radical social agenda. Quote, we must prioritize the promotion of a lethal military and ready force to defend our nation's interests around the globe. Under no circumstances should the upcoming NDAA be brought to the floor of either chamber without several key reforms needed to ensure a focused military. Among those reforms is to prohibit military funding for abortion and getting rid of requiring women to register for the draft. In fact, uh, Chip Roy writes, requiring women to register for the draft does not advance our national security objectives, which is the only metric by which the NDAA should be measured. 
They also want to uh, end the vaccine mandate by the Defense Department, saying it must be repealed because Joe Biden said the pandemic is over. Quote, the COVID-19 vaccine does not prevent transmission or infection of the virus. The DOD forcing out tens of thousands of service members will continue to undermine our military readiness and hamper future recruiting efforts for years to come. Our brave men and women in uniform should not have to choose between following their sincerely held religious beliefs and serving this country. They also ask that Congress should not authorize a single dollar for green climate projects or radical diversity, equity, and inclusion indoctrination measures. Good. Uh, Tom Cotton in from Arkansas, Marshall Blackburn from Tennessee in the Senate, uh, are in agreement with this and uh, have been echoing this as well. This is good. This is very, very good. And we will see if Republicans try to slide the NDAA through before they control the House and allow the Democrats to have the votes to pass it. They shouldn't. Um, but it's good for Chip Roy, uh, leading conservatives in the House, to stand up for these things. There's absolutely no reason to fire members of the military over the vaccine. And there's absolutely no reason for the military to be using government dollars to fund abortions. There is absolutely no reason for the military to have to draft women. And they need to value being able to kill bad guys over being woke. So good for Congressman Roy. Now, how about um, I go take some phone calls? Let us start with Eddie. You're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Hey, Eric. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And want to wish you and your family the uh, best of the holidays. We're Thank you. You too. the first one. <laughs> Thanksgiving, and we got Christmas and New Year's coming up. So, I hope Man, you, and pray, hope for my, pray, pray for my waistline, too. My goodness, in this house, we cook so much. <laughs> You and me, brother. Um, I'm going to go back a little bit and want to say that when uh, George W. Bush was president, he got blamed, I remember, for uh, Katrina. Mm -hmm. And uh, then, of course, um, Trump got blamed for, you know, being a Russian spy and and for uh, speaking with Zelensky. He actually got uh, impeached for it. And then you jump up to... Biden saying that we're not in a recession yet after two quarters of, you know, negative growth, you are in one, and we're probably in the third quarter, if not the fourth. So by the time um, they admit that we're in one, we should be coming out of it, you know? Right. So, yeah. um, and, and finally, uh, it's funny, I heard uh, on, on last week where Adam Schiff was asked if he would... Um, you know, respond to the the Republicans bringing him in front of a committee, and he said that he would take a look at it and determine right. if he thought it was legitimate or not. I just find that kind of hypocritical, you know. Yeah, it is. You know, I mentioned that one yesterday. I'm glad you said that. I, I think. Uh, do I have the sound by? Yes. I have to ask if you are subpoenaed by Republicans when they take over. Will you comply? Um, you know, we'll have to consider the validity of the subpoena, uh, but uh, I would certainly view my obligation, the administration's obligation, what to follow hypocrite. the law. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, after saying if Republicans question anything, they're being deniers or whatnot. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, honestly, I I am glad that 
McCarthy has said if he's speaker, he will strip Adam Schiff and Ilhan Omar and, and Eric Swalwell of their uh, various committee positions, particularly on the Intelligence Committee. They need to be gone. Uh, Eddie, listen, thanks very much for the phone call. Philip, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Philip. Hey, Eric. Thank you. I appreciate your show, and uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, just had a quick question or kind of a quick comment. Uh, a few days ago, back when the, the House said that they one of the first things they were going to do was investigate the Hunter Biden laptop, and you were talking about it, it, it seemed like you were kind of suggesting that wasn't a, an appropriate uh, direction to go in. But I was just I was thinking if we find out that Joe Biden is compromised with China and Ukraine, wouldn't it be good to find those things out and find out to what extent that is? Yeah, yes. Um, My point was not that they shouldn't look at Hunter Biden, which some people took it to be. My point was that you should not make that your first thing out of the gate. Uh, You just took over Congress. They're still counting the votes to make sure you took over Congress. Uh, Americans say they're concerned about the economy, crime, and the border. And your first thing out of the gate is, well, we're going to investigate the Biden family. Uh, that was if they want to investigate the Biden family and ties with China, fair game, uh, particularly given the ties to, to China and even the questions about Ukraine. But why wait until the third announcement to say you're going to investigate the border when that actually tests in the polling for independent voters? It was just a stupid PR move by the GOP to rush out of the gate and say we're going to investigate the Biden family. It's not going to persuade independent voters. It's going to make them look unserious when if you put the border or crime or the economy first, you actually look like the responsible adults understood the message of the election. So, yeah, look, I think investigate Hunter Biden if you want. It scratches the itch of people in the base in particular, and there are legit questions. Just don't have the massive first-day press conference. I mean, it's water under the bridge now. It's already been done. But it just looks like you don't quite understand what is going on, what the significance is, any of that stuff. It doesn't look it doesn't look good at all. Um, but they've already done it. So, all right. Uh, back to the phones. Anthony, you're up next. Welcome. Uh, hello, sir. Yes. Uh, my question is, sir, uh, California passed a law that abortion can be done once the baby's born up to 26 days. Now, that baby is now an individual outside the womb. Is that baby not protected by the Constitution of the United States? Uh, yes, it actually is. Um, and I'm trying to look um, at the actual language because I do think it was amended um yeah I'm, I'm trying to look um so the legislation says that a baby born alive after a failed abortion uh does not have to be provided health care and that's a change in the law um there has been some misstatement it appears on the on the dis, the length of time um, but it definitely absolutely would allow abortion on demand up until the moment of birth. Uh, I don't think it goes 26 days now past birth. Um, there was some nebulous, the language was nebulous as to what it actually did. Uh, probably the more damning one is in Montana where voters rejected a measure that would explicitly provide for care of a child who um, survived an abortion. And it, it really is just it, the ghoulishness of people when it comes to this issue um, is deeply frustrating. Okay, uh, I, I got something else I got to talk about here. 
Um, this is a headline from the Washington Post. These are nine stories from America's homicide crisis. The Washington Post is today running stories about America's homicide crisis. This is after the election. This is the story they ran a month before the election. An analysis piece. Crime is surging in Fox News coverage. I talked about this at the time. A month before the election, the Washington Post ran a story claiming that crime really was not a problem in this country. It was just an obsession of Fox News making people think crime was a problem. Now, after the election, the Washington Post can tell the truth. In fact, crime, homicide in particular, is a problem, and they're running a profile. This is how it begins. During the last three years, homicides nationwide have reached their highest levels in decades. The deadly spike coincides with the onset of the COVID pandemic, the rate of killings rose nearly 30% in 2020 and remained high through the following year, according to a Washington Post database created to track the toll. Even now, as the bloodshed has slowed, the homicide rate outpaces pre-pandemic levels. This gun violence tends to grab headlines when it occurs in horrific public spasms at a Walmart in Virginia, a nightclub in Colorado, an elementary school in rural Texas. But the focus on mass shootings obscures the totality of the American ailment. People killed on city streets and inside their homes, deaths that seldom attract national attention, and cases that rarely involve high-profile prosecutions. In many, an arrest has yet to be made. In October, crime was a figment of the imagination. After the election, surprise, it's a real deal problem. Years from now, probably 100 years from now, maybe 200 years from now, archaeologists and anthropologists who began writing about the decline and fall of Western civilization will have to account for the collapse of integrity in the media where they picked a side, defended that side, attacked the other side, and only told the truth when it was convenient for them which festered a distrust of the media. So when the bad times actually came, no one believed the media. And the bad times overwhelmed the people. The motto of the Washington Post, which they brought back under Trump, was democracy dies in darkness. It is a dark void of lies when the Washington Post runs a story saying crime is only a figment of the imagination of Fox News viewers. And a month later says, oh, you know what? Actually, the truth is homicides have been on the rise for a while. Turns out people really are concerned about it. Why should we believe anything these people actually say? Their credibility is at stake and they do not care about it. They're more interested in losing their blue check marks on Twitter than in telling the truth. And that's a pretty damning indictment of so much of the American press corps. If only there was an Eden pure thunderstorm we could use to just clean up the press rooms of America and suck up the noxious odors of the press corps. 
Some of them really are stinky, by the way, and an Eden Pure would work. The Eden Pure Thunderstorm eliminates odors. It works very well. Pet odors, litter box odors, smoke odors, musty, mildewy odors. It even traps pollen and dust. It works, and it's filterless. You don't have to get a filter subscription. You can get three of them by going to EdenPureDeals.com and putting in the discount code ERIC3. You get three of them for less than $200. You're saving $200. You get free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com is the website. Eric three, E-R-I-C-K three. You put that code in, you're able to get three of these odor eliminators, the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. You can use a USB cord, like if you got it powered up in a car to work, you plug it in with a USB cord. It's got a USB outlet on one end of it. You plug the USB cord into the outlet in your car. You turn on your car. You turn on the Eden Pure. If you're, someone's been smoking in the car, it wipes out the odors. You can plug it directly into the wall as well. And it just works. You can hold it in your hand. I keep one in my suitcase when I travel. It works that well. If I get into a hotel room, someone's been smoking in the hotel room or an oral car, I use it and it wipes out the odors. EdenPureDeals.com. The discount code is ERIC3, E-R-I-C-K-3. Hello there. You should know the United States is ahead of Iran. Uh, one nothing at the moment. Um, now, Philip tells me that our top player got injured in the play, but nonetheless... Um, everybody is also complaining about the, um, the refs. It just, okay. Okay. I mean, FIFA really is a corrupt organization, so it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, the, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if the refs have issues. It's just a deeply corrupt organization. It's why, uh, the world cup is in Iran, but, uh, Hey, for right now, we are, uh, ahead of Iran, and that is a good thing. We should take that for what it is. Um, by the way, I, I gotta I gotta commend to you this piece. You're gonna have to Google it. Uh, there's a book out uh, by Stephen Wolf called "The Case for Christian Nationalism." I, I disagree with the book. It's part polemic, part personal, part research. There are parts of it I agree with. But the overall idea, I just, I, I think this this phrase Christian nationalism is unhelpful. Uh, Kevin DeYoung is a pastor in the Presbyterian Church of America. He's one of the most respected uh, PCA pastors in the country, one of the most respected evangelical voices in the country. And he has written a review of this book. And I wish you would read the book because he makes just some points uh, that I think are are on the money. Uh, let me just read you part of this, and you'll have to Google Kevin DeYoung, Christian National, The Rise of Right-Wing Wokeism is the title of his piece. Too many Christians are quick to wash away cultural Christianity without considering the alternatives. But wouldn't you prefer to live in a community, Stephen Wolf asks, where you can trust your neighbors, having mutual expectations of conduct, speech, and beliefs according to Christian standards? Wouldn't you prefer to have neighbors with Christian standards of decency, respect, and admonishment, even if it is merely cultural? Good questions. I share Wolf's bewilderment over the Christian leaders who seem to prefer a society hostile to Christianity. I've seen pastors in my own denomination look wistfully at Christians losing power and becoming a minority as if Constantine ruined everything and our influence would be so much greater if only we'd lost power and became marginalized. It's one thing to acknowledge cultural Christianity comes with trade-offs or to recognize cultural Christianity allowed for certain sins to flourish. It's another thing to say good riddance. In fact, this is from Kevin DeYoung directly. He says this is a speech he's given. We have to realize people are scared and discouraged. Uh, 
They see America rapidly becoming less and less Christian. They see traditional morality not only being tossed overboard, but resolutely and legally opposed. Of course, we should not give way to ungodly fear and panic. We should not make an idol out of politics. We should not fight like jerks because that's the way the world fights. But people want to see that their Christian leaders, pastors, thinkers, writers, institutional heads are willing to fight for the truth. You may think your people spend too much time watching Tucker Carlson or retweeting Ben Shapiro or looking at Jordan Peterson videos or reading the latest stuff from Doug Wilson, but people are drawn to them because they offer a confident assertion of truth. It's a great, great, great read. Um, Check out Kevin DeYoung at the Gospel Coalition about right-wing wokeism.